You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body with your hosts, AJ and Alex Navarro. Hi, Alex. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been a productive week. It's Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. It's exciting. Ooh, almost there. <laughs> and, almost there. Yep. Yeah. And we have a special guest on our show today. And I'm not going to um, string out the uh, introduction here too long. Her name is Lucy Hendricks. And I want her to introduce herself because she has a really specialized field that she works in. I want her to explain it to the audience. Hi, Lucy. Hello. Um, so my name is Lucy Hendricks. I work at Jim Laird Strength and Conditioning, and I work for Jim Laird, same name, but spelled differently. Mm-hmm. And what we do here is we take a different approach when it comes to getting people healthier. Uh, it, we don't look at just the training. We take a holistic approach and look at everything. We look at their sleep. We look at their eating. We look at their stress, how they manage their stress. And then we also look at the way they move. And there's two different types. So a lot of people call me the breathing lady. And breathing is such a hot topic in the fitness industry. And there's so many different routes that you can take with that. But I I'm trying to specialize in two. I'm not the expert. I consider myself more of a connector because I know the experts and I just connect the good information. So there's breathing when it comes to stress management and how we breathe outside of the gym. And not a lot of trainers are doing that. So every client that comes in here, they go through me and we can talk about that. And I teach them how to focus on their breathing outside of the gym and bring awareness to their breathing because no one has ever asked them that. Doctors haven't asked, hey, how is your breathing? And then there's positional breathing, how people are positioned, their posture, and that can really affect their movement quality. And we're really picky on the way people move. We want them moving better because when they add load to an exercise, we don't want to cause more harm than good. We want them to have a good position to load that exercise. So I teach people how to breathe outside of the gym, and then I teach them how to use breathing inside of the gym that helps with their performance and helps with their fitness goals. And right now I am going through massage school just to get a better understanding in anatomy and kinesiology and the body, getting my hands on different body types. So that's what I'm doing right now. That's so interesting. So did you have a personal experience that opened, you you must have a personal experience that opened your eyes to breathing and can you share that with us and how you then turned it into basically your career? Yeah, it was uh, kind of by accident. It so Mike Robertson, he um, owner of IFAST in Indianapolis, he's a big mentor for Jim. And Jim went to a seminar, I would say four years ago, and he learned a few positional breathing exercises. And I really noticed that the people who really got it down had better posture, had better form. And when they were recovering from their exercises, they were able to breathe through their belly a little better. And the people who had the tight shoulders, who didn't understand what Jim was trying to get them to do, were breathing through their chest and they had... Um, their posture wasn't as good. So that's kind of what sparked my interest. And then on accident, I 
ended up signing up for this uh, restorative breathing seminar, which I thought would be a seminar where I'd go and they just teach me new exercises to do with my clients. But what it was, it was breathing one-on-one. No one knows how to breathe at all in general, outside of the gym, while they're in your car, while you're walking your dog. We've shifted our breathing into um, over-breathing. So the way I like to explain it is kind of like overeating. Some people have retrained their bodies to eat too much when they don't need that much food. Uh, Same with breathing. We've trained our bodies to breathe too much and not be so efficient with the oxygen we're actually breathing in, which can cause a huge different number of problems in people's health, like allergies, uh, posture, anxiety. Um, People can't breathe through their nose, and they think that's normal. Uh, just because it's common, it doesn't mean it's normal. Uh, so that's where it really sparked my interest. And I've dealt with anxiety my whole entire life. And learning how to breathe correctly has really helped. Instead of letting breathing control me, I'm able to control it. Wow. I'm glad you brought up anxiety because I'll just interject because the first like breathing experience that I had where I tried to meditate was to help me with my own anxiety that I had back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, and I was so disconnected with my own breath. And I, you know, when I lied down and it was a guided breathing meditation and I realized that I couldn't control my em- own breath, it brought on a massive anxiety attack and I basically had to like get up and leave. And that was my mm. first experience I ever had with trying to control my breathing. And, and that totally stood out as a moment to me where I was like, okay, I need to change something here. <laughs> Cause if I, if just being conscious of my breath is giving me anxiety, then I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> I had a fairly yeah, the way similar. I explain it to go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say I had a fairly similar experience minus the the anxiety following the, the 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 awareness of the breath, but doing my first yoga class where, you know, at the beginning we did some breathing and also at the end. And I remember the instructor, you know, instructing us on, on how to breathe and things to pay attention to and, you know, trying to clear my mind and realizing how much clutter, that's when I became very aware of the clutter that was in my head that took away from the breathing, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we are unable to shut off our minds. And people are, and I just wrote an article for Rob's website website that came out today, is shutting off your mind. Because we have thousands of thoughts going through our mind that most of them are just repetitive and useless. Like, yes, you have to pick up your daughter today from soccer, but how many times are you actually thinking about it and that's just a waste of time Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on your breath? And it's a way I get people to meditate without actually meditating. So I trick them into meditating. If they focus on their breath while they're driving, they're meditating. I mean, what else are you going to do while you're driving? So you're able to be more mindful. Uh, Two years ago, I took an eight-week mindfulness course. And I was kind of new about the breathing, like the restorative breathing. And at the end of the course, I finally pieced it together because my anxiety was getting better. But I didn't understand how sitting there for 30 minutes a day focusing on my breath was helping me with my anxiety. And it's because I was taking my mind out of, or I was taking my focus out of my mind with all the hundreds of thoughts and I was putting it into my breath. So how does a person that is not breathing properly, what is their breath like? Can you explain that? Mm -hmm. 
Well, just think what happens to your breath when you're in a stressful situation. Like if you were to get a call right now with bad news, your mom was just in a car wreck, or if you were in a car wreck yourself, what would happen to your breathing? So it would become rapid mm -hmm. and most likely become noisy. You'd probably start breathing through your mouth. Breathing would be very noticeable. That means the chest is going up and down. It's a lot of effort into breathing, and you would breathe too much. So all those signs are things that happen to your breathing in a stressful situation, but the problem is most people are breathing that way all of the time, and they're not even in a stressful situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And is that So you might be sitting there in your car walking. Mm -hmm. Is that a result? Yeah, you, you might be sitting in your clutter? car. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, because if you are over-breathing, you're going to have a very hard time shutting off your mind. Mm -hmm. very true. So that is how people are breathing all of the time. So we just have to do the opposite. Instead of it being noisy, we want breathing to be silent. Instead of breathing through your mouth, we want breathing in and out through your nose. We're meant to breathe through our nose. Our mouth is not meant for breathing. And most people are very congested, and that can be caused through mouth breathing. And we can talk about that a little later. And then you also want breathing to be effortless. It's kind of like having all your apps on your phone turned on. Your battery gets drained. If you could just use your diaphragm as your main breathing muscle instead of all your accessory muscles and having your shoulders going up and down, that's the shift you want to have. You want breathing to be silent. You want breathing to be through your nose. You want breathing to be effortless in and out through your diaphragm or using your diaphragm. And you also want breathing to be rhythmical. Most people gasp for air. They hold their breath. Their breathing is all over the place. They breathe in for two seconds, breathe out for five. Then they hold their breath, breathe in for five seconds, breathe out for two. So their breathing is all over the place. So those are the symptoms that I've noticed with clients when they walk in. And depending on their breathing, if their breathing is really bad and I teach them how to breathe, I don't even have to ask them. Like, oh, yeah, so this will really help with your anxiety. And then they look at me like, how did you know? <laughs> how did you know I have anxiety? I'm like, because of your breathing. <laughs> so the way you're breathing right now can trick your brain into thinking you're in a stressful situation. You might just be sitting in your car, but if you're hyperventilating, your brain thinks you're being chased by a tiger. Awesome. So is there like a, a little step-by-step -step that you can walk us through? And I know it's like, it doesn't compare to working with you hands-on, but um, maybe just a way to describe to the listeners of how you would work with someone to improve that? Yeah, just getting them to slow down. So we do this at the beginning of the training session and at the end. We do it at the beginning because I want people to be focused on their training. Most people are coming in after their job all stressed out, thinking about all the things they need to do tomorrow, all the things they should have done today. And we lay them down on the floor where they feel safe, where they're getting that proprioception all over. And we get them to breathe for about two minutes. So we have their tongue on the roof of their mouth. Their mouth is shut. I saw a um, relaxed jaw, so I don't want you to clench your teeth. And then I give them some timing. I want them to breathe in for two to three seconds and breathe out for five to six. So you want the exhale to be longer than the inhale. And I just get them to breathe for about two minutes while I'm talking, tell them to relax, get their mind right. And then we train. And at the end of the training session, they do that for about two to two to five minutes to get them back into that parasympathetic mode. Because the last thing I want is for them to get in their car and fight or flight after pushing 400 pounds on the prowler. Mm -hmm. So I want them to bring them back into rest and digest and kind of kickstart their recovery. So tongue is on the roof of the mouth, in and out through the nose, in for three to four seconds, and out for five to six. 
And most people feel kind of high at the end of it because they slow down their breathing. They're actually able to bring oxygen throughout their body because they're not over breathing and they feel, they feel melted on the ground. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people enjoy it. If they don't enjoy it, it's because they really need to work on it. They feel like they're not getting enough air in. Just like someone who's retrained their body to eat too much, if they eat the right amount, they will still feel hungry. Mm-hmm. Same with breathing. If they breathe a little less, they'll feel hungry for air, which is good. They're retraining their body how to breathe less but be more efficient with it because it's all about the timing. I have, a, I have a dumb question about timing because this is what I always wonder about when I, I do that exact exercise is in between. So like after I exhale and I go to inhale again, I sometimes just stop. Like there's like maybe like three or four seconds of nothing. It, like what am I trying to achieve there as far as, far as how much time between breaths? You stop on the uh, exhale or on the inhale? On the exhale. So when I've completely exhaled, I feel like mm-hmm. I can just sit there before I inhale again. No, that's good. That is good? Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that brings us to the four effect. So 100 years ago, and this is uh, from the Buteco breathing method. 100 years ago, Christopher Bohr discovered um, when people overbreathe, and most people think CO2 is bad. When people overbreathe, you let go too much carbon dioxide. And most people think that's a good thing, but you need that carbon dioxide in order to absorb the oxygen you're breathing in. So when you are working on your breath, when you're retraining your body how to breathe correctly, you want to kind of hang out on the exhale. You want to build up that CO2 and bring your body back in balance. So the more you can hold it out, the better. Uh, Most people, that gives them um, a lot of anxiety. So just don't try that hard. But the better you get at it, the less you'll want to breathe. So you'll breathe in and breathe out and to just comfortably sit there on the exhale as long as you don't have to take a big breath in. That means you held it in for too long. Oh, okay. That's a great tip. And that's awesome because that's the one thing I've been kind of focused on with my breathing where I'm like, wow, I really feel like I'm just taking these huge pauses in between breaths, but it feels really good. And I'm like, I wonder if, you know, this is overkill or not, but yeah, that's you getting really deep. If you get really deep in the meditation, breathing becomes so effortless that you feel like you don't even have to breathe. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. It's wild. Whereas like going back to 10 years ago, the first time I ever tried any kind of like breathing exercise in a meditation situation, I literally thought I was going to die. (laughs) (laughs) Panic mode. And I got up and I left the, yeah, I got up and I left the room and I was like, oh, I gotta go do something like ride my bike real fast. (laughs) That was crazy. (laughs) Oh man. I like what you said about the, the, the sensation and the feeling after you're done, sort of that high elated feeling. And mm-hmm. when I started doing yoga, that was like the thing that I loved the most about any session that I ever went into. It wasn't wasn't necessarily the practice. While I liked that and was able to really, again, focus on my breath and sync up the movements, it was that savasana at the end where, again, my mind's clear at that point and all I'm doing is the breathing. And I would always leave with this like light light but grounded feeling where my mind was clear the clutter was gone and I just felt like I could do anything it was great it was very addicting yes and that's how I want my clients to feel when they leave the gym I don't want them like in a high threshold high alert state and we can do that in training you know Uh, the body does need stress and I do like when like when clients go into a high threshold when they're pushing and lifting heavy but not when they're walking out in the gym and get back in their car and when they're cooking dinner. I want them to be in that relaxed state. Right. And and this is important because I, you know, I have had some feedback recently from some listeners that, you know, we talk about stress 
a lot. And, you know, I think what people need to understand is we talk about it a lot because it's so important. Yeah, uh, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah, it is so important. And I find, um, especially with female clients, it's usually the thing that will, like, the straw that breaks the camel's back in most situations. I, I feel it's the same with males, too. But women, I just feel it's a, they're a little bit more sensitive. So, like, Lucy, you're training some really strong women who are doing powerlifting. So... I know I really want to get through the audience here that, you know, this kind of approach is not just as, you know, it's, it's not like we're sitting around just, I don't know, socializing and breathing and doing yoga, <laughs> you know, it, you know, it's for performance too, sports performance. Um, and can yeah, you give we still idea? train hard. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's, you know, what a lot of people with a disconnect is, or it's like, oh, we're talking about all this de-stressing stuff, but it's like, this is the other side that gets neglected because I think most people do really push themselves hard in the gym. Mm -hmm. So do you have, um, you know, some of the female powerlifters that you and Jim work with? Is this something that they, um, do you have some stories about that that you can relate to the audience? Yeah, Jim mostly trains them. Um, I do get to work with them some, but yeah, they, I mean, even them, they struggle. We have one lady, her name's Brittany, and I've already asked permission from her to talk about her, but almost every single week she's like, what more can I do? What more can I do? And she'll kind of treat Jim and I like parents. She'll, one week she'll go to Jim, like, what more can I do? I'm not getting results. And he goes, you need to learn how to chill out. You need to learn how to manage your stress. You don't need to do more. And then the next week, Lucy, what more can I do? Like, I'm going to say the same thing Jim said. You need to learn how to chill out. You need to uh, just manage your stress. Are you working on your breathing? Well, I lay on the ground for about 10 minutes a day and breathe. I'm like, well, that's good. That's a good start. <laughs> but yeah, even they, they struggle with it. But I think it's because of society and the whole P90X and insanity and what you see on TV. That's what they think they need to be doing. Because most of our clientele, and there's a reason why Jim runs, or not anymore, but he used to run every single orientation, is because most of our clientele would come in. I'm already working out five days a week. I do like three spinning classes. I go lift three times a week. I run a few miles a week. What more can I do? And that's and the reason we have an orientation is because in that orientation, people kind of get a re- reality check. Say so. Here we do things a little differently. Most of our clients only come train two to three times a week. If you're wanting to get results, we need to work on your diet. We need to work on your stress. And if they don't buy into that, they don't stay. Mm. So that's why slowly we've built up this amazing community of 200 clients that buy into our philosophy. And sometimes they'll complain, and sometimes we switch up the training, but. It's usually the people who do get results from it. And I know that I have the misfits. uh, Jim has the misfits. They write blog posts about how they got better results by doing less. So sending them articles like that really helps uh, gear them into the right direction. But it's hard. It's hard to tell people, well, if you want to get results, you're going to have to chill out. You're going to have to lay on on the floor and just breathe for about 30 minutes a day. (laughs) It's not fancy and it's not a quick fix. No. And – you know, this kind of attitude is instilled in children at such a young age too, where, you know, you have to be doing, you have to be competitive in a sport every single season and there's never an off season. It's, you know, skiing or whatever in the winter and then they're off to basketball camp in the summer. And I I just find that, you know, I see these young kids at the Y where I go to train and all of them are just like in that crazy stressed out state and they're like 13 years old. (laughs) 
Yeah, thinking I need to do more. I need to do more to be better. And yeah, it's a little crazy. Yeah, it, it would be interesting crazy. to see, uh, to, you know, take a group of children who, whether they were active or not, and teach them how to breathe efficiently at that young age and see the difference in like the next 10 years, especially going into, you know, the teenage years where that's usually when a lot of stress starts to to happen and, the, and you know, challenges in life manifest. So it'd be really interesting study actually to to take a group of young people and teach them breathing techniques that would then be a, a useful tool as they get older. Sure, That would yeah. be really cool. I have, I've been, Jim's been working with him some, but now that school's out, he's coming in the morning and I'm starting to work with him. He's an eighth grader and I just hope he stays with us until he's in college because <laughs> I do want to see that because he is very, very smart. I taught him the breathing stuff and he has horrible allergies. So I sent him home with the book called uh, Close Your Mouth because breathing can really affect the way uh, – it can really affect your allergies. And I told him, I was like, the way you're breathing right now can really affect your sports performance. If you can't breathe, don't you think that's going to affect your sports performance? He's like, yeah. I'm like, so here, take this book. Have your mom read it. So I really hope he can stay with us because it's not about the kids too. It's sometimes about the parents. Mm. <laughs> it usually <laughs> is, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah, always. So – um, do you have any personal experiences with breathing and sports performance, um, Lucy? With sports performance, um, well, if you can't breathe while you're outside of the gym, that's just going to make it even worse when you are trying to train. Mm -hmm. So if you're hyperventilating just by walking your dog, then while you're pushing the prowler, breathing is going to be even worse for you. And the people I've noticed, the people who can't breathe hate the prowler. Because as soon as they start pushing the prowler, even in the warm-up, they go into this high threshold, puffing and puffing, and they restrict oxygen flow, and then their muscles start to burn more, and their heart rate goes up way faster. And it's a myth thinking the more air you breathe in, the more oxygen you're going to take in. So when their heart rate is up, that's what they try to do. They try, try to breathe even more, and then their heart rate goes up even more, so they, they can't recover as well. Um one of Jim's clients, Suzanne, her daughter, I noticed, was never breathing through her nose. I mean, she was doing single arm like farmer carries and she was breathing through her mouth. She was doing bear crawl. She was breathing through her mouth. And I brought that up to Jim and they actually went to the doctor to check that out because she said, I can't breathe through my nose. And they couldn't even get the camera up her nose. I think it was her adenoids. Oh but she had goodness. to get surgery in order to open that up. And I haven't seen her play, but apparently she doesn't get as winded anymore. Oh, wow. While she plays soccer. So so why is mouth breathing so bad? Well, one, you don't get the filter you're supposed to get in. Uh, when you're breathing through your nose, you actually are warming the air. So when it goes down to your lungs and it needs to be absorbed, it's it ha it's um, it's moist and already warmed so you can absorb it. Uh, the big thing is nitric oxide. When you breathe through your nose, you're actually creating nitric oxide, and you don't get that through your mouth. And nitric oxide is amazing. It's a vasodilator, a bronchodilator, and it's actually and also lethal to viruses and bacteria. So people who have allergies all of the time, or people who get sick multiple times a year, might be because they're over breathing and they're not getting that same filter. I had one client who I kept cueing, try to breathe through your nose, just please breathe through your nose, and he just couldn't do it. He got like five sinus infections one one year oh and then he got um, a sore throat multiple times a year and he finally went to the doctor his septum was so deviated that he couldn't get air through his nose 
Like no wonder you were getting sick multiple times a year because all that pollution, all those different environments you were in all the time and you worked with people, you weren't getting a filter in. Wow. And when you mouth breathe, you're more likely to shallow breathe. And I mean, how many people have tight shoulders and tight necks and they can't get rid of that? And they're constantly breathing through their chest instead of breathing through their belly. Yep. I'm even sure Alex has some of, stories. Mm-hmm. Even just the concept of that is when you think about breathing through your belly. I mean, everyone, you picture your lungs and where they are in your body. And so you automatically assume chest breathing because that's where your lungs are. Mm-hmm. That's why we're filling up with air. So yeah. for a lot of people, you know, especially when I was you know, training clients in person, trying to get that concept of breathing through their belly, it was like, I was, you know, blank stare. Like, what are you talking about? How do you do that? Is that something that you could explain? I know. How does that expand? Yeah. How does exactly? So, what yes. does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, a lot of people are cueing breathing and they're just saying, push the belly out, which is not completely wrong, but it's also not right. Um, I don't want just the belly to come out. When people take a good breath in, I want the chest to expand, but I want the chest to expand out and away from them, not towards the face. I don't want the ribs to elevate. Mm. So the chest expands out, the belly expands out, and the sides and the low back. So you're getting air everywhere, not just the belly. Because when you're pushing the belly out, when you breathe in, you're more likely to go into extension. Mm, that makes mm, sense. Interesting. That makes sense. So can you kind of walk us through that a little bit? Like let's say we're lying on the ground with our – like where would you put your hands on your – because right, I'm, I'm trying to do this. it right now, sitting in the chair. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I need to lay down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, my favorite position is the um, laying on the ground, having people's feet against the wall, so their hips are bent at 90 degrees and their knees are bent at 90 degrees. So that does a few things. One, it helps people kind of tuck in their pelvis, mm-hmm. and they'll feel their low back kind of flatten out on the floor. And I want them to breathe through their belly and their chest. So they'll put one hand on their chest, one hand on their belly. And I do want the hand on the belly to move and I want the hand on the chest to move, but I just don't want the hand on the chest to move towards their face. Mm -hmm. I want it to expand up towards the ceiling, but I also want the low back to be glued on the floor. Oh, gotcha. That prevents them going into extension or arching their back to get that breath in through their belly. That makes sense. Okay, so the hand that's on your chest, where is it? Like what, what? part of your chest like up high down low like- uh, right on the sternum like right at the oh. base of the sternum okay your- mm-hmm. yeah and okay. then the other one on the belly and you want both of them to move now and at the same time mm-hmm. okay so because i've heard like some cueing where it's like you fill your belly first and then the chest should rise last is that incorrect or no that's correct yeah they can expand first a little bit and then everything goes towards the ceiling just okay. prevent that chest going up and elevating towards the neck, okay. which is, I think, it's a so really like good a breathing. Ex- mm-hmm, a good, good technique so for go, someone go ahead, who Alice. does that. Sorry. <laughs> I think that just that in itself is a good technique for someone who does have the tense shoulders and neck because it'll bring a lot of awareness into how much they're actually tensing if their chest is moving mm-hmm. up towards their face. Yeah, and then when I'm cueing nasal breathing, I don't want them to worry too much of where the air is going. I just want them to learn how to slow down the breathing. But when it comes to positional breathing, which is the other side of how it um, affects training. So people are, in a nutshell, they're stuck in extension. So their their back, low back is arched. 
their pelvis is anteriorly tilted, so the pelvis is actually pointing down, and we want to get people out of that position. So what we do there is same position, feet against the wall, hips are bent at 90, knees are bent at 90, and we will use mouth breathing. This is where clients are confused. Like, you just told me not to breathe through my mouth. <laughs> but when we learn how to exhale very hard through our mouth, we get something that are called the obliques. And we all know where the obliques are. Yeah. Those help drive the ribs down. It's almost impossible to blow hard through the mouth and not feel your obliques engaged. Okay. That makes sense. So what we have them do is lay on the ground, in through the nose, and then full exhale through the mouth all the way out. And the ribs will automatically go down and they get in that good position. And then I keep have them keep their abs braced as you breathe, they breathe back in. And you'll see that nice expansion through the belly, through the chest, through the sides, instead of that back arching and coming up. Mm-hmm. So that gets them in a better position when it comes to lifting. Because when I want people to squat and deadlift, I want them to be able to find that nice canister, Mm. that nice neutral position. Mm -hmm. And it also carries over to regular breathing. Because if you get in a better position with your posture, then your regular breathing, it'll help facilitate that. Because when your ribs are flared, when your ribs are pointing up, when your back is arched, your diaphragm is not in a good optimal position to take air in. It becomes, instead of being the main breathing muscle, it becomes more of a postural muscle. And you still need to get air somehow, and your body's very smart. It's a very great compensator. It'll get air through the scalenes, through the uh, neck muscles and upper traps. So instead of using your diaphragm as your main breathing muscle, you automatically use your neck. So if I teach people to get those obliques going and get their ribs all the way down and their posture gets better, that's going to facilitate regular breathing. They're more likely to use their diaphragm as their main breathing muscle instead of their upper traps and their scalings. And that can and people really relate to that because so many people say they carry their stress on their shoulders. I'm like, yes, for a reason, right. mm-hmm. and we can fix that. Right. What 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 I remember when you were talking about that in in terms of just engaging the core the core muscles is when I was mm-hmm. doing gymnastics really young. There was, I mean, obviously no attention to breathing whatsoever and in very little just general awareness body awareness it was you know being so young it was kind of like oh go do this and we would just do it and not really think about Mm -hmm. what needed to be done what muscles to engage to do it we would just do it and I also in doing that I formed a lot of really bad habits that later on when I got really into training and started paying attention to technique it was it was like trying to reprogram my mind in how to connect with different parts but it also made a difference in how aesthetically things changed because not breathing correctly I did develop quite big traps and I had very Mm -hmm. little abdominal definition and I always thought that maybe it was because I just genetically didn't have that you know, maybe I, I couldn't have the shape of the abs that a lot of people have. And once I got into proper breathing and was able to, just like you said, draw, use the diaphragm, engage the obliques on the exhales, things started actually developing aesthetically the way I wanted them to. It was really cool to watch. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because so it's our level one. So we get people down on the ground like this is neutral. 
this is what a brace feels like. You feel your abs. So we basically get people to find their abs. And as soon as they find their abs, our job gets so much easier because it carries over to everything. And it also develops smart, smarter clients because mm-hmm. if they lose that brace, they know they need to go down on weight or take a break. Uh, I teach class, and before I even get to regress someone or give them another exercise, usually they're already doing it themselves. Like, you know what? That did not feel good. I lost my brace. I need to go down and wait. So it creates smarter clients. Like, this is what it should feel like when you're squatting. This is how it should feel like when you're deadlifting. When you're doing a Turkish get-up, you get your ribs down. So it sets them up for success, and it makes our job easier as a coach. Like, here is neutral. Now carry that over to every single exercise you're doing in in the gym. If you lose that, take a break. If you lose your brace on the swing, take a break. So it really does minimize the uh, risk of injuries that we have in the gym because people know what it feels like or people know when it feels wrong and then they know when it feels right. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure takes time so, too, to train that. Yeah, and some, memory, some people it takes memory. a week. Like, oh my gosh, you move so well. You get this. And sometimes I feel like I freak them out. Like, what do you mean I move well? And then <laughs> some people, it might take them months. Everybody's different. Yeah, and I'm sure people go through stages where someone who's, you know, got it dialed will go through a stage where they've got a lot going on in their life and they just can't focus and they need to, you know, take a step back and just, like you said, work on the basics again. I know that that happens to me when life gets crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stress. We have a client who is moving to Colorado and he's already working there. So he's back and forth. Uh, he was out of town, so he was on the road for about two weeks, not sleeping in his own bed, lots of driving, lots of stress. He came back, and his squat was ugly. I told him, I was like, Pat, the, I was like, you are very stressed out. Um, I would not add any load to, or I wouldn't add any weight to your squat right now. He's like, yeah, I know, I feel the difference. So yeah, depending on what's going on in your life, we have to change your training, and our clients are very open about it. Some, some clients will come in, run through the warm up, and leave. You know, I didn't sleep last night or I'm really stressed out at work. This is all I'm going to do. Or we have a four-week phase with our classes. That doesn't mean that's what you have to do. If you're not feeling okay, run through it three times instead of six times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we really encourage clients to do enough, but don't overdo it. Leave a little in the tank. That's what we say. Exactly. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Is, I know a lot of our, our listeners, they, they lift heavy and they like to squat. Would you be able to walk us through the breathing pattern of a squat and how things yeah. should feel? Yeah. Sure, let's well, do it. So you get down on the floor and you learn what that brace feels like. You'll learn what it feels like to have your pelvis tucked in and your ribs down, which takes pressure off your back. So depending what type of squat you're doing, if you're first learning how to squat, the brace You can just, at the top, you grab the kettlebell, you find your neutral, so you brace, and then you can squat up and down, and you can breathe in and out through your nose while you hold that brace. Once it gets heavy, you want to be able to breathe underneath your brace. So same thing, you stand up, you tuck in that pelvis, you get those ribs in a good position, you brace, and then you fill up with air without losing that position. So you keep the ribs down, you keep that pelvis tucked in. That means you're getting air into your belly, your sides, your low back. And once that's heavy, you hold that air in. You okay. find that good position. You fill up with air like a belt. I call it the personal belt of protection. And then you hold that air in as you squat up and down. You can hold that brace for two squats or you can reset every time. But once things get heavy, you really need to learn how to breathe underneath your brace. 
mm-hmm. creating that personal belt of protection, just like a power lifter would wear a regular belt. Like Jim's girls, they had to learn how to create their own pressure, their own personal belt before they were able to use an actual belt. Okay, I was going to ask that question because I know some people will use a belt to help mm-hmm. like feel that brace. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know, I'm just kind of like... I have mixed feelings about using a belt. Like some days, because I don't use it a lot, mm-hmm. I I sometimes feel better just not using it. I feel stronger. I feel like my brace is even better. So I think it's just a matter of like integrating it more to be more confident with it. But mm-hmm. so you, you, what you said is you would suggest creating that brace without the belt before yeah. ever using it. Okay. Cause yeah, yeah. especially not going into extension. Cause a lot of people, a lot of power lifters, when they fill up with air, they go into extension. So they are filling up their belly, but then their back gets thrown into extension mm. or their back gets arched. So if you learn how to brace and breathe in that good position, you're going to get that 360 degrees of pressure. So learning how to do that, learning how to breathe into your low back before you use an actual belt, mm-hmm. that that would be my tip. Yeah. And you know what? I even, you can tell me if this is stupid and maybe I, sh- I shouldn't recommend it, but I used to just even stand in front of a mirror with a belt and just like practice breathing into the belt 360 degrees because like you said, you wouldn't get that tilt. You know, if you go to breathe in, you have a gap at the back of your belt you're not mm-hmm. doing it right. So I no, would sometimes... yeah, that would be per- that would a good that'd be a good drill. Okay, cool. Because mm-hmm. I sometimes still do that just to practice my own brace. And you can just you can see plain as day in the mirror if you're looking and you don't do it right. You'll see the back. It's like the back of your jeans when it you know <laughs> where it opens up and there's a gap. <laughs> That's what your belt does. So okay, I'd like to I'd like to get you know advice here from Lucy while I can. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good practice. Just like I put my hands around people's sides. I'm like here. Keep this brace and breathe back in. So you get that proprioception because some people are not aware of where their body is in space. So they need that proprioception of like right here. Right, right. And also probably the feelings of like the the rib cage sticking out. I mean, that's something that I actually coach girls on when they're they're doing uh, stage prep, like preparing to be on stage because the judges never want to see ribs sticking out. They want to see abs. Mm -hmm. So teaching them just how to stand to make sure that their rib cage doesn't flare out. And so visually, that's some, uh, p- perhaps a technique that someone could use just by looking in the mirror too. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to see the rib sticking out. That's so cool. See, so see, this has like so much crossover. I love the fact that, you know, we're getting Alex's point of view here, just stage prep. Like mm-hmm. everything that we covered today went from like just getting through life and not being anxious to being on stage in a bikini competition. Right. <laughs> Everything is just totally crosses over. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why I'm very passionate about it because it can carry over to everything. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's a movement. Breathing is a movement. And just like I teach people how to hinge correctly and squat correctly, it's the first movement you did as a baby. I also have to teach people how to breathe correctly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I've taken, uh, I think just, no, I've been to two of your breathing courses, one at Paleo FX and then one in Lexington. And yeah, I was just fascinated by it. So that's why I was super excited to have you on the show. And um, well, also because we ate French fries in Austin last time we hung out and ice cream. <laughs> It's always so a good, good bonding experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I know our listeners are going to wonder, and, and maybe you do have an app that you like to endorse, or maybe you don't, but is there any kind of tool that you can recommend to our listeners who are interested in this? Yes. Jim and I love brainwaves. Okay. It's, uh, I'm sure you've heard about it because he always talks about it, but it's like $1.99 or $2.99 on your phone, and you plug your... Uh, earphones in and you just breathe you 
you breathe the way I taught you how to breathe. And in that way, you have nothing else to do. In and, out, in and out for three to four seconds, out for five to six, and you just sit there and count, and then you'll get a hang of it, and then you just keep going. And that will really help shut off your mind with the with the uh, brain waves. Okay. And I also suggest reading the uh, Anxiety-Free Stop Worrying and Quieten Your Mind by uh, Patrick McCohen. Okay. And if you want, I can send you a link to that if you want to touch. Yeah, that'd be great. If you send us a link, we'll put it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. So I just want yeah, to. And put... I also have a video with Dark Side Strength on the breathing and bracing and how to create that personal belt of protection. I can send you that too. Oh, that'd be awesome. I know our listeners would love that. I, um, I just wanted to clarify something because Jim actually got me onto Brainwave and I use it all the time and I do recommend it, but maybe I don't have the latest version. Is there any setting where there is a guided breathing or you're just saying just listen to the cues that you gave and just do that yourself? Yeah, do that yourself and any kind of mindfulness app. I okay. really liked this uh, specific one. It was green and it was called Mindfulness, but it's not. it hasn't been working for two months. You click on it and then immediately it shuts you out. Oh, okay. So I haven't found a mindfulness one, but anything with mindfulness, it's all about focusing on the breath. So if you know how to breathe, then you can carry that over to that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to let you guys like chime in if you have any little closing things you'd like to add. I'm, I'm just fascinated. I know I'll be working on my breath. I don't know. All the time, I always. I know. Do. I, I as soon as we get off, I'm gonna, on the, I'm gonna lay on the floor when we're done <laughs> and just practice. Yeah, it just it helps you be in the moment. And mm-hmm. as a coach, it only takes because it's really hard to implement this. One, there's a lot of educating. You have to tell the clients why. You can't just tell them to sit there and breathe for five minutes and walk away. You have to give them a reason why. So it's a lot of educating on the coaching side. So getting yourself educated so you can transfer that over. And all it takes is one client to get good results with it because that one client is like, oh, yeah, I really worked on this breathing. It really helped with my sleep. Like, oh, really? Um, And I guess the other thing I'd like to add is uh, no strips. So put your hands on your cheekbones and press down and then separate them. If your first thought was, oh, my gosh, I can breathe through my nose, you need nose strips. Mm. So sleep with nose strips and you will thank me later. Really? Okay. Well, I didn't feel that, but that's really interesting. And my nose is kind of wide, so I don't feel a huge difference. But doing it to other people, they're like, oh, my gosh, there's like a whole new world. So give that a try. I like the uh, Breathe Right Extra Strength Sensitive Skin. <laughs> I was going to ask oh. about the, the skin part because I have a an issue with adhe- some adhesives. They, I'll, I'll so up getting I. Like a red, so I'll end up getting like a red strip over my nose after I take it <laughs> off, which is not attractive. Yeah, that was actually when I met up with my – he wasn't my boyfriend at the time, but – um, I, I asked him what that thing was on his nose because he had like a little scab. I was like, because well, we both went to the same restorative breathing seminar. He's like, that's from the nose strips. I'm like, oh, oh no. okay. <laughs> like, we were meant to be together. <laughs> totally. That's hilarious. Okay, good but to yeah, know. this the extra strength sensitive skin, skin should be fine because mine, yeah, mine tend to, my skin's very sensitive. Okay, good. So that's interesting. So if someone is experiencing something like that, um, would they have to go to their doctor to have like a specialist look look into to see if there's anything uh, physically that's blocking their breathing? Yeah. If yeah. they so switching to nasal breathing, I've had clients that that's that's the game changer. Like I'm no longer congested. I don't have to take allergy meds anymore. If that doesn't help, then I would get it checked to see if you have a bad deviated septum or something like that. And large adenoids. So, yeah, if switching to nasal breathing 
is not enough, then I'd get it checked. If you can't breathe through your nose, that is not a good thing. All right. Okay, awesome. I think that this was an awesome podcast. I learned a lot. You answered some of my personal questions, so I want to thank you for that. And no problem. Hopefully we help some people who are coming into allergy season right now and uh, might be suffering. Maybe they can turn it around without medication, which is always a good thing. Always a good and thing. And before we sign off, do you want to let us know where we can find you, Lucy? Yes, you can find me on Facebook under Lucy Hendricks. I share a lot of information on there. And my my blog is breathe and be happy at or whatever is it? Yeah, breathe and be happy dot wordpress dot com and then also jimlaird.com. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great. That was yeah, great. And I'll send you all the links that you'll need. Yeah, we'll put them in the show notes for sure, because I know that every single one of our listeners can benefit from your work. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Thank you. That was great. I'm excited. Thanks a lot. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you next time for another episode of Her Body. You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengle. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.